It's Locked On Hornets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. Thanks for making us your first listen every single day. We're free, we're available anywhere you get your podcast. That includes YouTube. I'm Walker Mail. I've been covering Charlotte sports for a while now, ESPN Radio, do some hits for NBC, CSL, and Doug is the founder of this podcast. He is the guy that made all of this happen, so we appreciate Doug for helping us out and even founding this beautiful podcast, which you guys continue to subscribe to. We very much appreciate all the support, and we actually have a move to talk about Doug. Yes, the Charlotte Hornets, you asked them to do something. I don't know if this is exactly what you meant, but they quite literally, by definition, did something. They did something in free agency, and they brought back Cody Martin on what I thought was a super fair deal. $8 million a year, four years, $32 million total. That's what Cody Martin agrees to with the Charlotte Hornet. Uh, Charlotte Hornets and he comes back as a success story as a former second round pick from Mitch Kupchak so yes only one move but one that I kind of like in Mitch Kupchak and what the Charlotte Hornets decided to do yeah I like it too he's a versatile defender uh, uh, gets to the rim uh, can can uh, has shown the ability to score I mean it's not you know I, I think people look at you know 7.7 points per game under 10 points per game and and then they look at eight million dollars and they don't look at sort of the relative because eight million dollars now is not the same as eight million dollars four or five years ago so you got to look at the players that are, are sort of around that salary number and we, and we can do that but um, it's generally fair for the production you're getting and, and I, I you know I just think Cody Martin's a great piece he stepped up uh, when the team needed him most when they were down uh, three starters in December of last season uh, due to COVID protocols uh, Cody Martin sh- showed the ability to be a 20 point per game scorer. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's a rotation piece. It's somebody that might be <laughs> even more valuable depending on how things shake out with the roster as we move forward. Uh, but I-, I think it's a great deal. Yeah, I-, I just look at this and it makes me feel comforted, Doug. Like it makes me feel happy for all parties because, you know, it's it's not anything to get crazy excited about if you're a Charlotte Hornet fan for the team perspective, right? It's not like this thing is going to bring you to a championship. It doesn't make you win the first round, but it's just pretty much good business in my opinion. You know, I, I just think when you talk about it from both parties, it is a win-win on both sides. Here's Cody Martin, somebody that was dogged for getting drafted in the second round. The Hornets were for drafting him, myself included. I didn't understand that move. And he turns out to be pretty good his rookie season. You know, I think it's like one vote for all second team, like with somebody that Zach Lowe had kind of paid attention to, put him in the 10 things I like column. Just got very little attention, you know, as a 35th overall pick, you know, okay. Like any attention is considered considered quite a bit. And then you see him really struggle the following season. Like his sophomore campaign was not very good at all. And we thought that guy was going to get cut. I mean, he was a very, very big risk of allowing some of these other younger guys to come in and he was going to be out the door. His brother was, you know, Caleb Martin out the door and kind of a similar, you know, glow up, right? You know, we liked him and then had a, a bad sophomore campaign to some degree. This past year, figured out how to shoot the three ball, contributed more on offense, 
worked really hard, still like even grew on defense where everybody kind of talked about him contributing in that area anyway, still think he got to be a better defender. And now here he is making 8 million, super tradable contract, right? Like this is not something that the Hornets are just stuck with forever. It's actually a really good one to grease up the wheels because, you know, who's not going to want a defender that really tries hard if if it's just all right well we got to figure out a way to get to the salary to match stuff we'll just give you Cody Martin so that contract is valuable in that regard too and this second round success story gets 32 million total guaranteed I I just think from both sides there's a lot to like from the franchise's perspective along with the player's perspective He's only he's only in his fourth season, so I, I think there's still some room to grow. And he made that. The reason he got a contract at all is because he made that tremendous jump in his offensive efficiency from year two to year three. So he goes his three point percentage goes from twenty seven point six percent in twenty 2020, twenty twenty one to last season thirty eight point four percent, only on two point two attempts. But I think that's you know if he gets more minutes and and more opportunities next season, that's you know that we'll we'll evaluate i think this deal at the end of next season based on okay did he get more usage and what did he do with that usage was was the increase in three point percentage real or was it just a case of him getting a few opportunities and knocking them down but his effective field goal percentage goes from 48.4% to 55.4% huge jump in his offensive efficiency and so now he is a true 3 and D type of player those are the kind of players that that make your team good, that make your team a possible uh, threat in in a play-in game or a playoff game. So yeah, I mean, anyone, I think I get looking at this deal and thinking, wow, this is what the Hornets did. This is the only thing they did. I understand that sentiment, but in a vacuum, this is a good deal for the Hornets. It's a good deal for Cody Martin. Yeah, it, the the argument against it, like if you were dead set against this, then your arguments are probably, well, I think that player X signing this contract with whatever team that was something better and was better than Cody Martin and didn't hurt the payroll as much as $8 million would quote unquote hurt the payroll. Okay. You know, like maybe, I mean, Dante DiVincenzo, but you know, I, I don't, he goes to golden state. I mean, clearly Dante's going to want to go <laughs> right. Thank you for that. Dante I wants to go to gold for the, for the listener. I did the, yeah, the, the, Dante Dante like, yeah. It feels like you kind of have to, to be honest, but DiVincenzo goes to golden state probably wanted to go there anyway. You know, like I I'm sure there's some other players and maybe you think that there's a guy you can replicate Cody Martin's success with on a rookie contract next year. Uh, like maybe, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to find well, so, the perspective of a devil's advocate here, right? Like I okay. At the same time, yeah. you you get you get a a player that has been homegrown, that works hard, that also really contributes on the floor. Like Doug, it, you were talking about two attempts per game from three. I I don't know if I want him taking anymore. I mean that that's perfect. Just just go ahead and knock down those open shots because I want Lamelo taking those. Like I want right. other guys to be involved, and then you just knock down the open shots. You guard the other teams best second best perimeter player yeah. you take your charges you cut towards the basket when Lamelo has the basketball in his hands you handle it a little bit in a pinch when we desperately need some point guard help all all, right. all very good and and again he I go back to that stretch when they were missing all of those starters and he stepped up and scored you know showed that he had the ability to score 20 points per game like I think there are small stretches like that where you can depend on Cody Martin 
I don't know that you would necessarily be in a great position if he was your starting small forward for the entire year. Right. Uh, but it but it wouldn't be a devastating position. Let me give you some salary numbers to put this in perspective. So Cody Martin's contract, uh, according to Spotrack here, tucks really nicely in with a couple of other 27-year-old small forwards, Chetty Osman and Jay Sean Tate, who are uh, Chetty's making 7.4, Jay Sean's making 6.8. I mean, Benedict Mathurin, who just got drafted, is making six point, almost 6.6. So not terribly off like a rookie deal. Uh, But if you go up, Royce O'Neal's 29 years old. He's making $9.2 million a year. Kyle Anderson uh, just signed an $8.7 million contract for next season. He's 29 years old. People love that deal. That's the most celebrated deal. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So what what I'm saying saying is, like, again, you have to look relative to where the league is. Is Cody Martin making the kind of money you would expect? And the answer is clearly yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's super fine contract. So, you know, that's the move that the Hornets make, and they haven't made any other ones. And yeah, I don't no, know. That's a great question. Do you think they're done? Is this, is this, it? I mean, obviously it you've can't got. Be. The, I, I mean, yeah. Th- look, look at the roster as constructed, right? So that, that was the glowing review of the one move that the Hornets have done. And, and it's fair, right? Like that's, if we are dissecting that move alone, we just gave all the analysis on that. Mm-hmm. If we're talking about the Hornets and what they need to do and the team as currently constructed, that's where you start to get frustrated with how the team is operated or <laughs> the lack of operation, if you will. Mm-hmm. And the bottom line is the Hornets kind of operating a little bit in the unknown of what they're going to do with Miles Bridges. Now, we're getting to the point where it should be known because of the evidence that has been displayed so far. Because we actually do have a decent amount of information compared to other domestic violence cases that come out when people want the legal process to play out. I mean, we got posts from his wife, Michelle Johnson. We had the police report. We even saw a copy of the medical report. So there's actually more information to work with initially than we, I think, typically see from domestic violence cases. Katie Heindel does an excellent job. You can follow her on Twitter at whatevs, W-T-E-V-S, and I'll give you all that info in the upcoming segment, but she did such a great job. We did have to edit this. This was a long 20-minute conversation, so just to give you a precursor of what to expect, there is some edited answers as far as just the timing goes, but we are going to have that full conversation on YouTube, so make sure you continue to check that out. Let's talk about Bet Bet BetOnline, a proud sponsor, a proud partner with us here on Locked On. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. NHL playoffs is done. We'll have to fix the read. I'm Ron Burgundy, just regurgitating what I see on the screen. But we do have Major League Baseball, so that's still going on. <laughs> BetOnline is your continued source for all your sport wagering information, including live betting esports and scores and betonline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores podcasts and news this season betonline.net is the fastest and the easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events including mma boxing and golf you can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action bet online where the game starts also want to talk about arcade1up.com Boom shakalaka, we have big news. The one, the only NBA Jam is back. Arcade 1UP, the leader in at-home retro uh, arcade games, is not only bringing the best game ever back, but they've made it bigger than ever with a wait for it. It's a Shaq edition machine. And one of the first sports games ever to feature real and digitized NBA licensed teams. You don't have fouls, no free throws, no quarters required. Compete with friends and family through all new Wi-Fi leaderboards, making you more connected than ever. You can pre-order now from Arcade1Up.com. 
That's arcade, the number one, up.com for an estimated early September ship date. Arcade One Up is the place for fun. They've got even more classics like Golden Tea, Mortal Kombat, and many others starting at just $399. You can check this out too. They're giving away an NBA Jam Shack edition to a locked-on listener. Enter for a chance to win a game console for your man cave at arcade1up.com slash locked on. That's arcade, the number one, up.com slash locked on. You've got till July 8th to enter to win NBA Jam Shack edition console. Don't miss out. Enter today. Who are you going to play with? Katie Heindel coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Welcome back to the Locked On Hornets podcast. Today, we welcome a familiar guest. Katie Heindel joins us. She writes for a ton of outlets. You can follow her on Twitter at WTEVS. She also writes for Basketball Feelings on Substack.com. If you want to go check her work out there, it's phenomenal. We're going to be talking about a couple of pieces that she's written really within the last six months or so. And Katie, I, I want to start with your feelings regarding Miles Bridges, the physical alter- altercation that took place with Michelle Johnson that you know, it, we still have zero details on how the NBA or how the Charlotte Hornets are going to deal with this, but we did get Michelle Johnson post that was really disturbing. We got the initial TMZ report that broke the news that even with the lack of details were disturbing, just basically with the she required medical attention line in there. I, I want to get your reaction to how the public talked about this following the initial TMZ report and as well as the following reaction to Michelle Johnson's post, because you put that thread on Twitter discussing the problems with quote unquote evidence Mm -hmm. coming in the way of photos and videos that I thought was really important. Yeah. I mean, my, it it was kind of twofold. I think at first um, hearing that, hearing the allegations against Miles Bridges was very upsetting. Um, It was pretty awful. The reaction to it was probably (laughs) was just as upsetting, which was a lot of people framing it as him fumbling the bag, you know, or like blowing this big perceived contract that he was up for in free agency. Um, And that was what really, I think that's what really got under my skin in terms of wanting to write what I wrote uh, about it on basketball feelings um, is just this way that we center athletes and typically male athletes in situations like this in these discussions versus centering the, in this case, you know, his wife or like the, the person who's at the hands of the abuser. So usually also women in this case um, and framing it around that the fallout on men and framing it around like what's going to happen to them and how this is like such a negative thing, you know, in this case for bridges, I think that was probably the most problematic thing for me. And that's something that we see over and over again, especially in basketball media and sports media at large. And I think just like in the wider way that we have these conversations or perhaps don't necessarily have these conversations. Well, and in, in that too, you talked about, right photos and videos serving as that evidence mm-hmm. to where then women are afforded the benefit of the doubt and even not in some cases mm-hmm. that to be honest with you in a lot of cases but they're not given the benefit of the doubt before then there are so many questions surrounding that accusation and what we call it and then you get these horrible photos and then by that time oh it's it's awful it's disturbing to look at but it's unfortunate that it takes that for men, for a lot of people to try to believe what's taking place. And I think you did a really good job in discussing some of those problems. Why do you think that people need that to believe it? And how problematic is that? 
Uh, because people don't believe women because women are usually secondary, uh, can't, like even in their secondary sources of information, even when it, like they are the source of information, you know, their accounts aren't seen as pro- like as prominent or as important. I think like in the case of athletes and famous athletes and then athletes, I think that are always at the crux of something, you know, if I, if we want to go back and think about this, the same thing happened with Derek Rose, the same thing happened with Christophe Porzingis. Those were athletes that were either up for trade or, you know, like kind of at this, this hanging at, at what could have been the precipice of their career. Right. And, uh, are afforded the benefit of the doubt because it is seen as more impactful what's happening to them, their actions that, you know, the harm that they've inflicted on someone else is going to be more impactful to them. Um, so the fact that we need proof of harm, I understand needing proof of harm as a body of evidence if there is going to be criminal charges pressed, which is a whole other conversation, but in terms of public proof of harm and that we require that from women to show these pictures or in Michelle Johnson's case, pictures, there was a video of one of their children talking about uh, Miles Bridges choking Michelle Johnson and that he'd witnessed that, you know, she had the very long post that she accompanied those photos with. This is like very gutting graphic stuff that is completely private and should, you know, not be beholden to the public or certainly like the, the audience of NBA fans, but that it took that much for, I'm sure a lot of people to say, Oh wait, you know, like maybe there's something here. And and it seemed like the photos and the video and the descriptions in her post broke down or made ridiculous a lot of the framing that people were starting to build around the, the, the situation. And going to sort of sports media or sports reporting, you've written about this and, and on your Substack basketball feelings um, in, in an article called Abolish the Stat Line. And it, you, you talk about that a lot of write-ups in these situations, reporters never forget to drop the, the sort of box store, the box score stat line uh, at the end of these articles, when when discussing these situations, why do you think they do that, and and what troubles you about that that particular uh, culture or repetition that you you constantly see in these in these situations? I think it's kind of a holdover in sports reporting, to be honest. I think it's one of those things that hasn't necessarily been closely examined as to why we still need it or why it's even relevant. Because I think for some people, the thought is, well, that will clarify who this person is that the story is about. Um, Perhaps it clarifies like their role on the team. But now, like we just have Google for that. And if you're a fan, like if you're an NBA fan, it's likely that you already know who that person is. Or in the article, if if there's something that specifies like who this person is and what team they play for, to me, that's enough because all the stat line really does is attach a perceived value to that person. And then I, in that, in the abolish the stat line, the, the suggestion I had, if we're going to do that is to then, you know, in cases of where we're going to continue talking about athletes, because, you know, Miles Bridges is a good example. This is probably going to be really drawn out. These things are never cut and dry. Like they're certainly that's because of the CBA and also the way that the NBA tends to handle these allegations uh, is if we're going to continue reporting on it, why not have this like a, an asterisk or something like that, that also outlines the allegations that this person is still dealing with, or, you know, in some cases, like where the, where the court case, if it gets that far is at, because you, that's more relevant to the story to me than like in Miles's Bridges case, 
you know, what, how many rebounds he was able to get this season, right? Or like, what is his shooting percentages? You know, we've talked so much about discomfort surrounding, you know, domestic violence and how we talk about it, whether it's our job, whether you're a fan. I think some of that discomfort comes specifically on the fans part because they love Miles Bridges as a Charlotte Hornets fan. And they grew up with him because he was drafted here because he's the longest tenured player and all of that, which they think matters. And then maybe just subconsciously having developed some feelings in a different way for that athlete than others. And so they don't want this to be true. And then they respond with, let's let the legal process play out. Katie, you are in what I would argue a unique position to talk about miles, even specifically because you did uh, do a profile on him that we talked to you about. Oh, I think it was in February. Um, and and d- does that recontextualize some things as far as when you go back and look at your profile uh, at all, like it, it, your experience creating it, does it get recontextualized uh, because of this? It's a really good question. And I think it's something that fans um, and like ourselves in media should grapple with a lot more. It doesn't recontextualize the story because the story to me was like told at a period in time, you know, through a longer conversation that I was able to have with Miles Bridges. Um, as a person, I can admit who was a fan of Miles Bridges, it is a when you get this kind of news, it's it sucks. It, but I mean, it sucks on a lot of other facets. It sucks because this is like you can imagine the harm that he put someone through, right? And like the ramifications of that on Michelle Johnson and his children. And it sucks because it's human nature to root for people. I think it like makes a stronger case if you can go back and say like, yeah, man, like I really was rooting for this person. I saw like the value, like in that story, you know, for example, the value of like this career on an upward trajectory, it doesn't, it doesn't cancel that out. But I think like we have to get better at being very quick to separate the real world. Right. And instances where that's where this happened from the basketball world and like a career that we were hoping the best for, because now it's just like, you have to be able to let go. I've I've written about that before. I think you have to be very good at just kind of like severing your tie as like a fan or someone who had a good experience with someone and holding that to be truth. I think it's good to sit with those kind of discomfort, like uncomfortable feelings and maybe feeling hurt and upset and thinking like, well, why, why do I feel inclined to like root for this person still? And for them to like beat the alleg- the allegations, I, that's not my words. I do not feel that way. But I think as fans, that can be something that people get caught up with. Um, and that makes it harder for them to perhaps like see the truth in these stories. Um, yeah. And again, it's, I don't think that's a bad thing. I just think it's, again, something that everybody has to get better at. And, it, and it's not something that's exclusive to sports, right? I mean, you can zoom out and understand that these situations involve our families and our friends and people we admire that don't dunk a basketball. And 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 to think, to pull back, I love that idea of like pulling back and thinking about why does my idolization of this person affect my ability to understand this situation? Because that can be applied to, to people in, in just normal, again, people that don't dunk a basketball that get involved in these situations. Um, so I think that's a really important point. Katie, last question for me. Um, how do we talk about this? How do we talk about Miles Bridges a year from now, two years from now, five years from now, when we are acknowledging on-court accomplishments, on-court play, evaluation? You know, we see this oftentimes – 
in the NFL because one domestic violence you've just had a lot more cases in the National Football League but you see it there quite a bit where we do talk about Tyreek Hill in a different light I mean you can name a whole bunch of different players in that situation but how, how do we discuss Miles Bridges assuming he does play in the NBA and because evidence has shown us that how do we talk about him yeah I think it's important not to be revisionist you know I can think of like recent I think it was this season when Kendrick like when Kendrick Dunn was playing and the, I don't know who was calling that game, but someone said like, I, how, why did this guy, how did this guy go undrafted completely disregarding the violent assault allegations that he faced in college? You know, I think of what happened with the Portland Blazers hiring Chauncey Phillips and like the fake investigations, basically that they said that they went into his background and then it was, you know, found out that they didn't contact anybody that was involved in the rape case, you know, uh, that he had gone through previously. So, and I, it, that went away very quickly. I know there was a lot of heat and attention on it in his uh, initial interview with the team, but then people kind of get really comfortable, I think, with the status quo. And I, I get it. People want to get comfortable again. People don't want to talk about this stuff all the time. It can be very taxing. But again, I would say, like, think about how taxing it is to the people, to the women that have, you know, gone through it and kind of have to be reminded of this every time. Uh, and, you know, that's what I wrote about, like seeing male colleagues in the industry kind of easily be able to turn away from this stuff because they feel like they've done their due diligence or like talked about it once, you know, and then want to get back to talking about caps and like trade trade deadlines. Like that's very disheartening. So I think about who is kind of seeing your actions and beyond that, like professionally, like you, everybody has women in their lives. So think about like the things that you say and what that signals to them, you know, because you also don't know what they've gone through in the past. So I think it's important to just keep a quite a broad approach to this kind of stuff uh, and to reference it again, you know, because the Bridges case, I'm sure will be ongoing. So if we're going to talk about Bridges a year from now, I think it's important as a caveat to include like a reference to what we're talking about right now. Thanks again to Katie Heindel. Fantastic stuff. Again, we are going to have that full interview for you on YouTube, so go check it out. Um, Locked on Hornets, just search it, and you'll be able to find that easily on our Locked on Hornets channel. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need, so why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? You don't have to do that anymore. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto. They have everything you can need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil. They even have new carpet. You can go to rockauto.com right now. You can see all the parts available for your car or your truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you they have an amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need visit rockauto.com also want to talk about built bar from the people who invented healthy and tasty comes the latest gift to your taste buds you've probably tried the amazing coconut brownie chunk built bar but guess what your friends at Build have given Coconut Brownie Chunk the Puffs treatment. That's right, the Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar flavor that you love and a deliciously chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. It's like a fluffy, a fluffy a cloud of coconut brownie goodness. But stop drooling and listen. They're good for you. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein. They're also all delicious. Coconut Brownie Chunk Puffs are only here for a limited time. Go to build.com now to make sure you don't miss out. Please stop messing me up on this read. They're going fast, but they taste amazing. All built Bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. You can eat something that tastes good 
good, but is also good for you. The best part about Built Puffs is, of course, they taste amazing, but you can enjoy them guilt-free because they are actually good for you. They are the perfect treat, perfect when you've got a craving, you need to satisfy your sweet tooth, or if you need a quick, healthy snack, they are an excellent source of protein. Delicious coconut, rich, sweet brownie, creamy marshmallow, stop fantasizing, Get to Built.com to order your box of coconut brownie chunk Built Puffs right now. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15. All right, all that chunk talk. I'm hungry for some summer league talk. Let's talk about Kai Jones and what he had to say that shows his confidence coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Doug, it is Kai Jones season. Confident, baby. Got to go to summer league practice media availability yesterday. It was Mark Williams and it was Kai Jones speaking. One, I put that picture out there on Twitter yesterday. And not only did the soundbite get some attention, but it looks like Kai Jones been eating some built bars. The big Uh-oh. chunk puff brownie chunker built bar that I just read about. Feels like Kai Jones been eating that a little bit and getting in the weight room. So we'll see, man. Like physical and he's really confident. I ask him a couple of questions. Here those questions are right now. What I asked him yesterday about this upcoming summer league session as well as the regular season. Are you playing um, compared to maybe playing some power forward when you guys are running drills? Uh, I play both power forward and center, yeah, but I've been playing more four than five, yeah. How much have, uh, have you been matched up with Mark Williams, Nick Richards, and uh, how have those battles been going down there with some other seven-footers? It's been good. Yeah. Nobody can guard me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's been great, though. He mean mugged me when he said that, Doug. Like, when I'm looking up at him, he tells me that nobody can guard me. I I, I could hear, I thought it was like, no one could guard me, but I got the general idea of Mm -hmm. the spirit of the comment. He's mean mugging me. He's like, do you want to take me on right now? Kai, no, you're good, fam. Like, go ahead. Show out. I ain't seven foot. (laughs) Even if I was, I wouldn't be able to stop you, man. This guy's confident right now. And I think that got a, a pretty general good reaction from hornets village out there on twitter oh you know what he also said the, the thing to dissect there i guess is the fact that he said he's also playing more four than five which has always been kind of the discussion surrounding kai perimeter skills what makes him a unicorn is the ability to go out there on the perimeter you know being seven foot you, you catch those quite a bit in the nba with some athleticism even but he does have some handles he does have the ability to shoot or at least there's something there um and he's been playing more power forward than that five spot would you make up that comment well you wonder is that an indication that the team really sees him as as an offensive threat from the four more so than any kind of defensive threat at the five or is this a case where you just have you you want to get a great look at Mark Williams at the five? You know he's a five. You've got Nick Richards. You got to figure out what you've got in him, and if you want to carry him into next season. So I I tend to think it's probably the latter that that he's sort of a little bit forced into this four position. Uh, but but certainly I could see you know him being uh, viewed as more of an offensive threat than a defensive threat moving forward. Yeah, I think too, offensively, I just think that's where he's going to fit a lot better. If yeah. if you're, if the reason you draft Kai Jones is because he has somewhat perimeter ability at, at that size, like that's mm-hmm. what makes him so enticing, then let's explore that. You know, I'm not asking him to, 
I, I mean, I guess he, he could definitely be a threat in a pick and roll, you know, from the top of the key, from the free throw line, you know, run to the rim and, you know, go ahead and slam home a, a LaMelo alley. At, but w- what about just allowing him to break down something on the perimeter? You know, like, I, I just think we should explore that talent base more so than just putting him at center and trying to dumb things down for him. Even like, I, I just feel like that's the last resort, right? If, if Kai Jones shows in his sophomore, his junior season in the NBA that we should not really focus on, you know, trying to make the perimeter work, then we can try to go to the center spot because there's something there to work with. But the other thing here is you got Mark Williams, who mm-hmm. is nothing but a five. I mean, there's just no part of his game that's going to go out anywhere to, you know, anything other than the center spot. So do we let's try to explore how to put our first round picks on the floor together. You know, like yeah. so, so, so Mark Williams playing that center spot. I, I think that's probably why Steve Clifford coming in likes size. Like we've seen him go big before with those Hornets teams in the past. So it makes total sense to me. Well, Steve Clifford coming in to 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 coach the team and coach the summer league team. We should mention that. So that's where all of this gets really interesting, right? Because in in Vegas, Clifford's going to get a fir- some firsthand experience with some of these young players. And I think it will be really interesting to see who they decide to start in that first game at the center position and the power forward position. I think the center's probably a given that it's going to be Mark Williams over Nick Richards. But then you've got Kai Jones, you've got JT Thor, who got minutes last season. So is it Kai Jones? Is it JT Thor? And then at the small forward position, do you go... I mean, you got a couple of options there, but you got Bryce McGowan's, who's uh, kind of a guard, kind of a forward, sort of in that in that in-betweener state. You got Scotty Lewis, uh, who we saw a little bit last season, but mostly in the G League. So it's going to be really interesting the starting five decision that Steve Clifford and the organization have to make and in, into summer league. Yeah, and and speaking with Mark Williams yesterday too, he was the other guy that spoke. Uh, just a pretty cool guy to talk to like you just wants to be better you know Mark Williams also just uh really pretty engaging too you know I was talking to him about the difference between the college game and the NBA and yeah there's only been a couple of practices so it's not like he's got this world of of knowledge yet about the association but a couple of practices where all of these guys were pretty good in college at at the very least pretty good I just wanted to get what his initial thoughts were and he said yeah there's just a lot more spacing and that he likes it certainly offensively he likes the spacing because he said it gives him a better idea of it gives him more freedom on what to do as far as passing do i need to go ahead and attack and finish you know or just different things it gives me a better feel offensively which is good now defensively all that spacing is going to make it tough like it's funny mark williams talking about that i go back to jj reddick mentioning it i think on a podcast with kevin durant where he was discussing the idea of like, well, nobody plays defense, you know, nobody cares about that. Like, no, right. we really try. But these guys are crazy good on offense and their spacing. JJ specifically called that aspect out of the NBA game, how spacing makes things so difficult for a defender. So offensively, Mark likes it. I, he didn't go into that defensively, but I would imagine that's where the learning curve comes from anybody entering the league, but especially a big man that's like, oh, wait, goodness, like everybody's out here on the perimeter. You know, I'm I'm seven foot. I'm seven one. I'm supposed to be down here. What the hell do I do? I think that's probably the biggest learning curve. There's more on the line in this summer league than there probably should be for a team uh, that is sort of a fringe playoff team, uh, because you really, as a Hornets fan, you you really kind of have to be wowed by 
you know, the, the JT Thors and the, uh, the Mark Williams and the Kai Jones, you have to be wild because I think the Hornets are going to have to leverage some of their youth in a way that they didn't feel the need to. Uh, maybe they should have, but they didn't feel the need to last season. Uh, so you, you can't – I think you really can't come away from the summer league going, eh. I mean, you have to be – you have to be super wild by some of these players, and you're not even going to get a look at James Booknight because he's injured. It looks like Leangela Ball, I think, entered uh, the COVID protocol. Yep. That's so right. all the Leangela fans, sorry, I don't, I don't know how long it's going to take him to get back. Uh, games start on the eighth. Their first game is Friday, July eighth, against the Pacers. Then the tenth against the Lakers. Thirteenth against the Cavs. Fourteenth against the against the Bulls. I'm a little sad, Walker. I'm looking at this schedule. All the games are televised. That's nice. ESPN, NBA TV, ESPNU, and ESPN2. But I'm sad because like, I look at the teams and the rosters and not like crazy excited. I wish they would have got, gotten matched up against the Thunder or something and given us a look at uh, Chet or, or Orlando. Right. I mean, in their division, get a look at, at uh, Paolo. Yeah, Thunder, uh, Thunder. I think they're playing today. Get to see both the Jalen Williams, who I, I liked both Jalen Williams prospects. Obviously, Chet Holmgren, going to be fun. So Thunder playing today. Um, yeah, and we don't know. Yeah. So the way this works is they play the four pre- preliminary games, and then the two best records out of those preliminary games play each other for the championship. Everybody else gets one more game but you don't know what that matchup's going to be until after the prelim games. So maybe they do. Maybe they do get a chance to play Orlando or or Oklahoma City Thunder. We'll have to see. Uh, but I but I like the roster that they've put together. I mean, some interesting uh, players. Again, I I would love to see uh, McGowan's, uh, Brady Manick. I mean, I'm a I'm a UNC grad, and and uh, he he helped that team a lot. So that's that's an interesting play. Uh, Scotty Lewis is he is he somebody that's going to be able to work his way onto this roster or or is he going to kind of flush out of the system? Tough to say at this point. Uh, probably a big summer league for him. And then uh, Isaiah Whaley, another name forward out of Connecticut, that should be interesting to see um, uh, who who survives this. But but there's a I mean there's a, it's a, <laughs> and the Hornets have some open roster spots, but I don't think it's going to be for for a lot of these guys. I mean I think the big focus here is Mark Williams, JT Thor. Bryce yeah. McGowan's Kai Jones. Yeah, and just a couple of minor things to update. There's, there's been a lot of minor news things to hit on for the Charlotte Hornets. Bryce McGowan's agreed to a two-way contract, I believe. Mark Williams officially signed his contract. You talked about that yesterday, just how cool that is, the process beginning for him and, and the NBA lifestyle. Um, also, Arnaldus Kuboka, Doug, he's with Greece. So feels like the Hornets are moved on from him. They have yeah, the rights to him. Back. Yeah, but, you know, and and... Like, I liked Arnoldis. It's it's still somebody I'd like to have in the system, just a stretch five, a pretty good decision maker. You know, he's not phenomenal defensively by any means, but yeah, I don't know. I I understand having JT Thor, having Mark Williams, Kai Jones. I I get all of that at the same time. You know, I'd I'd like to see some kind of spot for him, but very minor thing there. And um, the other thing that people are talking about a little bit more, Doug, is the fact that they don't seem to have a true point guard or, or point guard depth for summer league. And we didn't have that last year, really. And, you know, a point guard, it, it's it's even just for the for the ability to see how everybody else plays. Yeah, you're going to get a fair look at some of these yeah. players offensively. Yeah. So that's something disappointing. Jalen Crutcher is the guy, you know, he, he's a point guard fine enough scoring mindset from what I I'm not an expert on Jalen Crutcher but from what I gather kind of a combo wish guard so not necessarily putting everybody else in the best positions constantly and and that's kind of it 
you know, like even if James Booknight was coming in, Doug, we don't view him as a pure point guard. And and he's not even going to play because of the surgery that he endured. And now he's he's not going to play. So it, the backcourt situation, you know, kind of iffy going into summer league. Yeah. Uh, should have put that in Cody Martin's contract. Hey, got to head down to Vegas. <laughs> you, give me the big you deal. Got to go down to Vegas. Help us out. Remember, he did run some point guard. He did. We'll give you, we'll give you some extra money league. for chips. Mm-hmm. Have a good time. Play a little point guard. Come on. It sounds good. All right. That'll do it for Locked On Hornets today. We appreciate everybody hopping on and, and joining us for another episode. Thanks for making us your first listen for your second listen. Get up to date on the latest news and rumors in the NBA in just 30 minutes every day with Locked On NBA. Locked On NBA is your daily NBA update in just 30 minutes. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Hopefully you have a great rest of your day. 